Hello. Good evening. <laughs> Welcome to X to the Zenium. Unless you're listening to this in the morning. Good morning. <laughs> Good day. Good day. I'm Kat. I'm Stella. We are uh, going to talk about some things today. We're going to talk about defense mechanisms. But first, we're going to catch up. What have you been up to? Ugh. Um, work things, uh, planning a trip. So my next trip is to Nebraska. Oh. At the end of the month. What um, are you doing in the corn state? <laughs> my sister lives there. One of my sisters. So um, she just moved there a year ago, and I haven't been there. So I'm going to go for my birthday and spend a long weekend in Lincoln, Nebraska. Ooh. Are you going to go to some fancy restaurants? Of course. Eat yeah. some corn? Maybe. Go to the corn palace? I don't know about all that. Oh, it's so fun. <laughs> but she wants to go axe throwing, so I'm excited about that. Mm. Um, and work's been work. Uh, picked up a few new clients and uh, transitioned some other ones to termination or maintenance. So, yeah, just kind of doing work things. What have you been That's up to? That's fantastic. Well, I've been working full time. I'm planning a little entrepreneurial endeavor. Okay. I'm planning a to start a paint night at a local tap room, and I'm really excited. Nice. All my stuff's on order right now from Amazon to start that up. I've already okay. talked to the uh, supervisor. I've got the space. I've got the time. I've got the plan. I'm Excellent. excited to do that. Okay. Where are people going to be able to find out about that? Well, I have to make a Facebook, and we okay. know how I feel about technology, <laughs> and we know how I feel about social media, but... Okay. This is how people brand, and this is how people market, and this is what people do in the 21st century. Right. So, I'm going to do it. Okay, and so we'll link it to the X to the Zenial Instagram. Perfect. Um, and so we'll definitely get you some folks to do that, but that sounds exciting. I'm so excited. I love teaching. I love artwork. I do my own artwork pieces. I do nice. my dioramas. I do a lot of painting. You do a lot of creative things. Like, that's a good outlet for you. I love it. I've just been very artistic. When I was little, I was actually in several art shows, and yeah. I uh, sold jewelry at an art gallery. Nice. When I was fancy. Like, I know. And then I went to college and my whole life was drinking and sometimes studying and having fun and networking oh and, and getting an education well there's that <laughs> but you do have you know a couple degrees and you've been able to do things so I'm really glad that you use um creativity as kind of a self-care to be able to do things that are fulfilling for you and also an expression absolutely I love it I love it so much so you chose defense mechanisms I um, chose the topic tonight right and, and like we've <laughs> talked about before we certainly take turns uh picking topics um but it feels like this topic was sparked from last week so tell me a little bit about that all right I'm gonna own some shit because we can't fix our shit unless we own our shit and recognize it that's correct so you and I listen to our podcasts yeah. Right? Because we want to, you know, hear what we said and go through what we said and learn and improve and and all this and grow from our experience because sure. we're doing something really amazing here. I um think so. so every podcast I listen to sometime right afterwards, maybe like the day or two, or within the week before we will podcast again. Yeah. Well, last week I realized I do not want to listen to last week's podcast. Okay. So I am very much avoiding it. I still haven't listened to it, in fact. Okay. <laughs> maybe I'll listen to it next week. We'll see. Okay. We'll see how I do on tonight's podcast of, of owning this shit. And so what made you to want to avoid that? 
Well, because I did a big self-disclosure, I don't talk about my own personal stuff all that often, and when I do, it's, you know, it's so hard, you know, you're letting go, because I already think about it in my head all the time. Sure. Um, but I owned my shit, and I put it out there. Yeah. And so the next steps would be to listen to it, and my whole thing is I'm just going to avoid that, <laughs> because I don't want to feel uncomfortable. So when we talk about defense mechanisms, um, I know that you had, had printed out something, so why don't you give me just like a standard textbook definition of defense mechanism so it's a psychological response and not under a person's conscientious control okay so it's not a conscious thing it's something we're doing unconsciously unconsciously but okay. now I'm aware sure it has entered consciousness of my behavior that means that you don't decide what you do and when you do it so that's we're going to talk about a lot of these like passive aggressiveness denial projection tonight um so yeah, that's the textbook right there. Okay. How does that that definition fit for you? Is I think we talk about, from a mental health perspective, things that we do to defend ourselves or to defend our psychology from taking on more damage, right? So if there's right. a trauma that happens, one of the defense mechanisms that is unconscious is sometimes uh, blacking out of memory. Right. Or um, kind of retelling a story that doesn't paint us in as terrible a light. Be that as the victim or, um, Perpetrator. You know, if you're just being kind of a shitty human, like, so I want you to think about ones that you can identify. So avoidance is one that you do. Oh, it's all the time. Okay. That's... And you've talked about like being a procrastinator and yes. struggling a little bit with like follow through, blah, blah. Yeah. And so that's my big one. That's my defense mechanism right there. As avoid. I ostrich. Okay. If I pop my head in the ground and I can't see it, smell it, hear it, all those things, it doesn't exist. Okay. And then I don't have to acknowledge it. And then I don't have to work on it. And then I don't have to do all these things that are <laughs> Like so, the hard things. I don't have to do the hard things. I like to avoid hard things like that. And you're not the only one. I mean, I think I've definitely done some avoidance in, in my time on the planet. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think, you know, since I've known you, what I know to be true is that yes, you will do that. Yes. And then you will figure it out. Like you will eventually pop your head up and go, okay, now I need to look at this. And I know that it's, it now has gotten to this place of a shit show. <laughs> or and not that you've ever gotten that bad, but right. I can imagine that. It gets a shit show in my head. It becomes yes. overwhelming and then it triggers anxiety. And then I'm like way thinking about it way too much. And I'm like a long processor. Yeah. And I think that's why avoidance works for me. And that's my default okay. that I go to. My default defense mechanism. Because I really like to think things through before I make a decision. Mm -hmm. Before I make an action. Yeah. Before I say something. Because I have to parse out for me what is really my genuine feelings. What's the reactionary. Like is this what's the reaction. Sure. You know some people just jump immediately. And well, a lot of um, some well, a lot of humans will default to anger, mm -hmm. and so they'll have an anger outburst, or they'll get defensive. We talk about that. Um, we just finished watching the Super Bowl, and and I learned a lot more this year about the Super Bowl than I ever wanted to know. <laughs> um, but certainly, there's you know the the offense team and the defense team, and the defense team is really kind of and really take this with. A I'm grain loving of salt, this analogy. Like. <laughs> I mean. The, the defense is there to, to hold back the offense team from achieving their goal, right? Right. And I think oftentimes our defenses keep us safe, but yeah. it's also impeding our goal. 
Absolutely. If our goal is growth, if our goal is learning, if our goal is, you know, not doing whatever shitty thing again, right. sometimes our defense is creating more problems than solutions. Absolutely. And so some people, like I said, react in anger. I was a very angry person for a long time. And so I would just fly off the handle and get real fucked up um, and aggressive if I felt attacked, right? Or if I felt like people were looking at me in a certain type of way. If they were violating you as a person in well, some way. Well, if I felt violated. Right. And so now I have the language for that to go, okay, if there's something about me that feels violated or disrespected or angry or whatever, like where is that coming from? Right. Understanding that I can't control somebody else's behavior, I've got to control mine. And that's right. not to say that I am perfect at it, but... That's one thing to consider. So what is another defense mechanism? So we have repression. So painful thoughts, painful memories, um, irrational beliefs. Is um, that different than sublimation? Sublimation is a type of defense mechanism that is considered a positive strategy. Okay. okay, interesting. And that's because people who rely on that redirect their strong emotions or feelings into an object or activity that's appropriate and safe. Gotcha. Whereas we repression. Were, repression is that instead of facing that uncomfortability, and then you may unconsciously choose to hide them in hopes of forgetting them entirely. So nice. okay. it's like the more of the avoidance. So it is, and and we when I work with clients, oftentimes I'm talking about you know if, if somebody deals with a hard thing, what they do is they shove it down, right? Yeah, push They're just like shoving down whatever the hurt or the feeling disrespected, or um, the disappointment. They're just shoving that down and pushing right through. Yep. Right? And so that is actually not very helpful. Right. Um, mostly because you're not addressing it, right? Right. And what I know to be true, uh, which is going to be true for any plumbing device, is that if you shove a lot of stuff down in there, it will eventually come up in an unhealthy way. Put the caca down the tube and you're going to have a backup. Or in the garbage disposal, don't put the caca in there. Don't put the caca in Don't put coffee grounds in the garbage disposal. I learned that the hard way one time. But, um, I mean, that that is a, a way of looking at it in terms of repression, is mm -hmm. shoving down uh, un, unhealthy or unhelpful emotions. Right. Um, because they will eventually come out in a way that's not very healthy or helpful. Well, exactly. They can impact future relationships. If you're repressing stuff from a previous relationship, exit that relationship, go into a new relationship, and you've repressed all of this stuff from your last one, then you can, this leads into, project it. Yeah which is another defense mechanism onto your new partner who's not really doing those things, but you'll be triggered because you didn't manage your shit. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting that you're talking about, you know, kind of past relationships and current relationships. I think that can also be true for family. Absolutely. Right? We get a lot of our, and we talked about that last time, we get yep. a lot of our trauma and triggering from our family. Right. Um, and, and there's to varying degrees of that. Absolutely. But when we don't address those things, you know, you and I talked about some of our own negative messages that came from our family of origin right and then how we were able to work past it but you're right if you're not addressing the feelings if you're not addressing kind of what it is that makes you feel not good enough or not right. smart enough or not worthy or not good or you know, just not being able to speak your truth sure. to someone because maybe in your past experience of your family or in your past relationships when you spoke your truth instead of being listened to heard and respected for what your truth is it was fraught with discord. It was anger. 
someone went on the defense, there was a fight, it wasn't accepted, it wasn't spoken about, it wasn't taken care of in a healthy way. Sure. That you could then express that, so then you just don't. So you shove it down, and then when you are triggered with any kind of um, difficulty or challenge in a new relationship that could very potentially be healthy, right? you might be reacting in a way that's not healthy. Absolutely. Or avoiding conflict or addressing things that maybe aren't good for you. Right. But that just need to be said, too. Sure. Like, if something's bothering So you're you. repressing from one and projecting onto the other. Absolutely. All right. What's our next one? Our next one is displacement. Ooh, tell me more. So displacement is that you direct strong emotions, like frustration, towards a person or towards an object um, that doesn't feel threatening. Um, mm -hmm. And this allows you to satisfy an impulse to react. But you don't risk uh, having a significant... doesn't risk having significant consequence. So... Really, like you're displacing your feelings. So, you know, you get in a fight with your partner mm -hmm. before work about shoving the coffee grounds <laughs> down and then having the explosion. You're like, well, I didn't know, blah, blah, blah. You know, chaos ensues and they're like, I have to go to work. And then you get to work and your coworker's like, oh, I saw on the calendar that we have this meeting and I'm not going to be able to attend. And you just, boom. Yeah explode and you're like you never show up you never do your job i'm carrying your ass through this you're a bad employee or whatever it is that you decide to in a sense lash out on this mm -hmm. person what you're doing is you're displacing all that from this morning sure. situation onto this other person who really just doesn't have anything to do with doesn't it. have anything to do with it it's not even applicable to the situation but and they're talk, getting fire we talk a lot about that in terms of you know, the other way around. So you get yelled at by your boss, your drive from work is shit, you get home, you argue with your partner, your partner then yells at the kid, and the kid then kicks the dog. Kicks the dog. So it's displacing, kind of like dominoes, right. one to another. And what we know to be true certainly is people will lash out either to strangers with no emotional connection or to the people that they care about the most because they're less likely to leave, abandon them. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, I talk a lot about teenagers, you know, with parents in terms of like, they're going to lash out at home because they know that it's safe enough for them to do that. However, yes. Part of a parent's job is to address it in a way that's like, look, I get it. You're my 16 year old and you've got a lot going on, this and that, but you still have responsibilities here in this house. Right. You still have to meet your obligations to, you know, There has, has to be a level of respect in the home. Absolutely. And so it's an opportunity to teach, but recognizing that that, you know, um, shifting of blame or shifting of anger is not helpful. Right. It's not productive. Right. Really, it's you got to do that internal work and manage your stuff. Yeah. Process it out. Um, you got to rationalize it, which is also a defense mechanism. Well, but rationalizing can be a, both a good thing and a bad mm -hmm. thing. When you think about using your rationale or using logic to approach a problem, um, is one way of using Because you're looking for a solution. Absolutely. You're looking for a positive outcome or a consensus. The negative one is, is doing what? Is doing, um, you know, rationalizing is basically, some people may attempt to explain their behavior, mm -hmm. their undesirable behavior, um, or maladaptive behavior with their own set of facts. So that boys will be boys, or yep. oh, that's just, 
That's how he is, because he is just an angry kid. Oh, he's just the baby of the family. That's why he acts that way. Right. Right? So those are examples of rationalization, but this allows that person to feel comfortable with the choices that were made. So it's, it's basically creating obfuscation or a, a minimizing yeah. of whatever unhealthy behavior there is and just going, oh, well, it's just this. You know, it could it's be worse. It's diminishing it. Absolutely. Instead of holding accountability... And for that, it's, you know, it's minimizing. And, and minimizing. oftentimes we rationalize other people's behavior. Um, certainly we can rationalize our own behavior and be like, well, you know, I had a fucked up childhood, so I guess I'm just going to be this way. Like, this is why I'm an asshole. This is why I'm an addict. This is why I'm a whatever. Right. Um, and that's a way of, of rationalizing in an unhealthy way. Uh, but oftentimes, you're right, people do rationalize other people's behavior mm -hmm. without really looking at the root cause. So if, for example, you're in a shitty relationship, although it's not as shitty as, like, say, your parents' relationship, well, at least he's not hitting me. Mm -hmm. That's a rationalization to say, well, he just yells and he gets upset sometimes, but at he least he's not doing this. He breaks things in the house. Right. He pounds the walls. But he's never hurt me. Exactly. So it's okay. And like, that's an unhealthy rationalization. Absolutely. And that's a that's a strong defensive mechanism right there um, that you, you see in a lot of, uh, what is it, abusive domestic violence relationships on both men and women's sides. Absolutely. So it's not just, you know, women being perpetrated on in domestic violence situations. You know, a lot happens to men in relationships and they will use that defense mechanism to rationalize now oh she's just on her period right she's just, she's just like this once a month right and it's interesting you know we talk about um domestic partnership or or relationships in that way but i think you can have abusive relationships within siblings within friendships i mean there's a lot to think about when it comes to absolutely like i used to walk on eggshells around a coworker. yeah it's incredibly hostile and top and toxic yeah. You know, and I felt like, oh, what have I done wrong all the time? And if you're conflict avoidant, it's a lot easier to apply rationalization mm -hmm. to those re relationships because you don't want to have that conflict. Because right. you don't want to look at things directly and try to fix them. And, the, and that could be a childhood learned behavior mm -hmm. so that it's like, I don't feel safe doing that. So I'm not going to mm -hmm. address it. And then I'm going to rationalize it, minimize it. And then I'm going to go home and kick the dog. Like, all of these things can be used together. Don't kick your dog. Don't kick anybody. Yeah. Even, <laughs> like, inanimate objects. You could break your toe. That's true. All right, so, compartmentalization. So, Ooh. let's put all these thoughts in pretty little packages in our minds and store them away. Let's compartmentalize. <laughs> put a pretty bow. Maybe we'll put, use a polka dot wrapping paper. So compartmentalizing is really separating your life into independent sections and sectors. Okay? And that's not necessarily a bad thing all the time, but how is it used negatively in the way that it's described there? So, for example, like if you choose to not discuss your personal life issues at work, you block off or you compartmentalize that element of your life. And this allows you to carry on without facing the big one. Anxieties or challenges while you're in that setting or mindset. So, right, you get in this fight in the morning, but then you go and you compartmentalize that, put it in its little package, put that away to protect 
yourself and to do your job and to get through your day. Right. Right. But then you, again, you're never opening that package up and readdressing that compartmentalization. Or you're saying, this is work life. This is home life. This is friend life. And so I've seen a lot of people compartmentalize their life for fear of like losing things. It's sure. like a fear, that anxiety, fear of losing things. Like, oh, these are my friends that I hang out with, but I never mix my friends. Because I'm afraid that if my friends meet, I know they won't get along and then nobody will like me. Okay. Right? So that's a compartmentalization there. Or, or I'm one person at work and I'm a different person at home. Absolutely. Because I'm, I, it's not safe. Right. One way or the other. Right. The idea of rejection. And there are very good reasons for compartmentalizing, I think, in the in And the it can work. be healthy. Sure. It can be healthy. Like, people at work don't need to hear your drama all the time. Absolutely. They're not your therapist, you know? You're there to do a job, and if you spend 40% of your day in your coworker's office not doing your job but bitching about your life at home... That's not helpful. That's not helpful for you or your coworker. So I think it's important to have... Uh, um, healthy compartmentalization mm -hmm. in terms of recognizing time and place, right? But also um, being genuine and having integrity throughout is also mm -hmm. important. When we talk about using these defense mechanisms, primarily what we're talking about is not addressing an issue mm -hmm. using one of these or multiple of these skills right. um, that have been helpful. And, and I don't judge anybody's coping skills before they come to therapy. I don't judge them after, but recognizing that they have a place. Mm -hmm. They have kept people safe. Absolutely. They have been uh, helpful in terms of getting through really difficult situations. Well, you wouldn't have developed it if there wasn't a need for it. Sure. Right? And sometimes, some, when we're saying these defense mechanisms, uh, they're not a negative. No. They're not like, innately negative. No, but if it's we're talking about the extreme can be then maladaptive and pervasive to somebody's life. If you're extremely different, like uh, intellectualizing things, if you're extremely compartmentalizing and it's causing problem right. in your life and in the way that you're operating in modality, if you know, you're rationalizing at things out to the point where you know, yes, you are in an abusive relationship, but you've rationalized he's not hitting me or she's not hitting me. It's not physical but it's causing anxiety, it's causing depression, it's causing you to develop um, coping skills maybe of like overeating or compulsive exercising or not Drinking taking care or, of yourself yeah. or leading you to an addiction. Sure. Then yes, these, these, these can be. So it's finding, it's using these defense mechanisms, recognizing that we have them and keeping them in check in a healthy way. Absolutely. Because they are there and do serve a purpose to take care of you. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to kind of just chime that in. Well, and I think that's, that's when we talk about anything, I love that you brought up the anxiety and depression piece, right? Mm -hmm. Because when we're avoidant, when we are uh, out lashing out, when we are rationalizing, like all of those have a purpose. But when it starts to create discomfort in your life, mm -hmm. when it starts to not work as well as it used to, or... If you start to have other issues, that's when you need to look at it and say, okay, what am I avoiding? What right. am I reacting to? Right. What is going on for me internally so that I can address those things in a healthier way? Absolutely. And our final defense mechanism, and I see this a lot, and I call these people mental masturbators. Okay. <laughs> As the intellectualization. So when you... 
when you're hit with trying with a really challenging situation, you can choose to remove all your emotions from the responses and instead focus on quantitative facts. Okay. Okay? Those are people that's like, we'll win. We'll win. You know, that's the defense right there. When you're, give me an example. Give me an example of when I did that. Right. Um, and then they want you to bullet point, highlight, and make them a PowerPoint. Sure. So that you can, you know, have your point. That That's seeing that person's defense mechanism right there in action. Yeah. Well, what do you mean I, I never load the dishwasher and you have to do it all the time? Give me an example. I just vacuumed the floor yesterday. And you're like, wait, what? Now you're deflecting. Um, so you may see a strategy used in a, a person who's let go from a job, for example, and chooses to spend their days creating spreadsheets of job opportunities and leads, but never follows through in making a resume, never follows through in actually applying to those jobs, never follows through in, in contacting those, but they're intellectualizing because they're like, yeah, I'm working on it. Like, I'm working on it while everybody's like, oh, did you find a job yet? But you're not actually doing a thing. You're not doing it. You're running on the hamster wheel. Right, you're your head just kind of letting it run. Right, you're going through the motions, but you're not actually engaging in a process that's gonna be self-serving or productive. Absolutely. So, and I think there's nothing wrong with looking for facts. I mean, and I talk about that a lot in terms of managing right. your anxiety, Absolutely. but looking for facts, facts that validate the opposite of what your anxiety says. This is different because it is defending yourself mm -hmm. to someone or something to say, well, you know, I need specific dates or I need, you know, I'm going to think about this and, and just stay thinking about it and not actually doing stuff. Right. Perseverating. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm going to perseverate on it. And that's, that is a form of anxiety. It is a way that that's not helpful to create change and address things. It's really just kind of staying in your head about it, which is not well, creating anything. defense mechanisms are a self, de uh, they're a self deception, right? You know, you're not being genuinely authentic to your internal self. It's you're deceiving yourself. Sure. Um, so, yeah, and they're used to hide emotional, uh, responses, emotional things that hurt, mm -hmm. and that drive that anxiety, and that make you feel sad. And I think that's, you know, when we talk, we started this at the beginning with, um, with avoidance. Hee <laughs> 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 well, You're not the only one who does it, and I think, like, procrastination is, like, a baby form of, of avoidance, but not looking at, at things does not ever help you to create change right. to address things that are difficult and conflict and I think sometimes if we get stuck in our emotions in that like victim place not that that's where you're at but I'm saying like a lot of people do right you're not actually making the change you're just gonna stay kind of stuck in well this is how I feel and I'm just gonna feel like this because this so is now, just how it is and now I've got to defend myself every time someone challenges that Right, so you're elevating like your level. So if you're like at a level one, you just elevated it to like an eight. Right, and that's going to be an uncomfortable place to be. One hundred percent. Until you address that and can process that and get through that and work on that and get back down to that like level one of calmness and well, self and, and moving peace. forward and move past it. Yeah. So yeah, so treatment for unhealthy defense mechanisms. So that's like kind of the topic now that we're moving into okay. and, and talking about this. So. Um, first and foremost, finding accountability. Okay. Okay. So friends, family members that can help you recognize these mechanisms. And it can be challenging to identify your own defense mechanisms. Sure. You know, that's taken a long time for me to come to that, yeah, I procrastinate. And I've just called it like, oh, I'm just over analytical. I just intellectualize that. I just, uh... Rationalize that. I'm just gonna compartmentalize that. Oh shit! I gotta deal with myself. Right. I gotta like get in there. 
I gotta think about where this is coming from, I've gotta see examples and I've gotta move past this or I'm gonna be stagnating and I'm gonna be in the same place and being in that same place, I'm probably not gonna be at that same level. I'm probably gonna get more and more and more uncomfortable because I live a life and things happen right every day so then it's just gonna pile on, pile on, pile on, pile on. I don't wanna have a nervous breakdown someday. That's fair. So I just deal with my shit. Yeah. So I procrastinate, but then I do it. Yeah. After I've been like, okay, I'm ready. And I'm ready. I feel safe. My anxiety revolving around this is like in check. I know where this is coming from. I know why I'm doing this. I'm ready to, to move. And you've got a plan of action and how do I yeah. move forward? How do I move forward from this? I think that the accountability piece is also interesting. We talked before about uh, personality disorders and... Humans who struggle with personality disorders have a really hard time with accountability. And so if you are, if you recognize that someone you're dealing with doesn't take accountability for their behavior, mm -hmm. and, and I do want to distinguish the, the fact of like, a lot of people say, you hurt my feelings, you made me feel this way. And I really try to structure that language to owning your feeling. Right. And then separating it from the other person. Right. And so what it is, is it about that situation or what they said that, that made, made you, you feel that way? Sure. That, that, where is that coming from? What is that trigger? Stimulated a feeling from you. Right. Stimulated. <laughs> well, when we talk about, you know, uh, action A creates response B, um, you know, someone, and I, I say this often specific to anger is, um, if you were walking down the street and I usually use the example of like central by the library and it's kind of a biker bar with a big patio, and somebody said, yo, asshole, would you automatically turn around? Why would you happen to be the asshole, right? But if we're right. taking everything personally, that's going to stimulate a defense mechanism. We're going to have to defend ourselves from someone who says, yo, asshole, right? Right. When you put it in that context, human beings, in my experience, clients are going, well, maybe I'm not the asshole. And I'm like, maybe you're not. And maybe you're dealing with an asshole. Right. right? Like maybe this person who is often stimulating that feeling from you, maybe they're the problem. Maybe they're the asshole. Right. And so that's, that's something to consider when we look at what defense mechanisms we're using mm -hmm. and then why we're using them. And everyone has a default one or two or three sure. or one, Absolutely. two, five, ten. Who knows? Rationalizing and intellectualizing and avoiding your mind. Um, <laughs> I already listed mine out. <laughs> right. And so I think when you can identify what those are, and I definitely want you to put a link to this in the description of our podcast, because okay. I think that's going to be helpful for clients and humans and listeners to be able to identify what they've been doing, mm -hmm. whether or not it's working for them, and then how to change it. So mm -hmm. that accountability is huge. It is huge. I hold my students very accountable because I do a transcript review with every student. Mm -hmm. So when there are grades posted and I'm seeing these Fs, I also then look at attendance. So I do my data checking before I do my confrontation with my student. Mm -hmm. Okay, And I'm like, hey, you failed uh, four classes out of seven last semester. Yeah. You know, you've been in high school for a few years now. You know, you're a junior, so you really have the groove. You know how to do high school. You know what the you expectations how, are. You know what the expectations are. You've been in this routine. What happened? Yeah. And they're like, well, I just didn't like the teacher. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, why didn't you like the teacher? You know, what's going on? Were they hateful to you? Were they resentful to you? What's going on? Well, they just, I just didn't like them. I'm like, well, why? But I, well, I just didn't. 
but why? And I will go around and around that bush until they're like, because, uh, because they remind me of my mom. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, because this then, when I'm digging and I'm holding accountability of like, no, you dig in and you find that. Yeah. And then I'm saying, okay, well, I also see here that you missed that class 25 times. Mm-hmm. You know, there's only 85 days. So you're avoiding that so class. So you're avoiding that class. Mm-hmm. What else are you avoiding with regard to school? Right. What else are you avoiding? You know, I asked you earlier, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you couldn't answer me. So you're avoiding making decisions for the future as well. Mm-hmm. So how can I help you to start making decisions and to start moving past this place of denial and to start taking accountability for your actions because nice. next year you will graduate and you cannot live on your parents' couch for the next 25 years and eat nachos and watch television and play on your cell phone. Mm-hmm. You have to work or do something. Right. Right? And they're like, yes, moose. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so what can we do? What techniques can you do to hold yourself more accountable? Because I can't change that that teacher, you feel like that teacher's a jerk. I can't change their personality and that you guys don't click. But what can you do to change how you are reacting and how you are following through so that you can be successful? Because at the end of the day, you're accountable for yourself and yep. your success is, is on you. So what can we do to make this change? Because I cannot move you from this class because you need the credit to graduate. (laughs) I love that. And I think giving them a sense of control and agency over their life. Absolutely. It's empowering. Absolutely. Because it's like, look, I get that there's a lot out of of your control, right? Absolutely. You've got this this health issue. You've got this financial issue. You've got this, you know, uh, kid issue. And I can imagine that it feels like you don't have control over anything and so you want to avoid. You want to just put your head in the sand. The anxiety is too high and you just don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. That will only work for so long and the unfortunate piece with avoiding um, is that it's going to keep happening. Like these things are going to keep... So I, you know, I encourage clients to take control of what they can. What is one thing that you can do? Being able to have control over your life and agency and, and being able to have the ability to make a choice because mm-hmm. all we can really control is our choices and our behavior being mm-hmm. able to make that choice then gives them something they can do as right. opposed to not do well it's productive absolutely it's absolutely some something productive and then they can see results from that in changing their behavior then they see success the following semester absolutely you know instead of all those f's they're d pluses mm-hmm. i'll take it they're getting a credit <laughs> <laughs> and their attendance went, went was better yeah. Um, and learning coping strategies. So that's a treat. Those are treatments for unhealthy is learning to cope. Yeah. Um, in a healthy way. In a healthy way. So therapy is a, is a way and a place to learn skills. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not going to fix things. It's going to teach you skills because shit's going to happen every day when you walk out your front door. Unless you're like my grandma who is agoraphobic. Okay. Okay. So... You got to walk out that door, right? You got to see the sunshine, get your vitamin D, going to therapy to learn skills and techniques, Mm self-reflection, huge, huge, huge. Again, though, that self-reflection, if you don't know how to do that, can be taught in therapy. And self-awareness, I think oftentimes because if we're doing a thing and we've been doing it for a long time, we don't necessarily see it. And so stepping out of yourself and getting someone else's perspective is really helpful to be able to do that. And having someone to call you out on your stuff, like... Be like, there, you're doing it again. And you're like, what? Don't call me out on my shit. That doesn't feel good. It can be uncomfortable, but I also think that... Um, well, I think that's why people avoid therapy. 
It's part of it. And I think, that, you know, I, I know that my style um, can feel that way because I've had feedback from clients going, you know, I, I, I have left here often really jarred and then I recognized that I needed that to make the change. Right. And I'm grateful for those mm -hmm. clients because I early on did not think I was going to be good at therapy. I was like, I am an asshole and I know that about me and I don't have the personality <laughs> for therapy. Um, but look at you. I mean, it, you it, run your it own works. Business. It works. All right. So any closing thoughts before we're done with this one? That was a lot of information. It was and a lot of information. we went over it very topically. Yes. So in the future, I'd like to go through those a little more in depth okay. you know definitely listeners um if you have more questions if you have a specific defense mechanism that maybe you recognize yeah. through this podcast and through like our dialogue and what we're talking about and those examples you know um reach out through our instagram mm -hmm. send so us an email x to the zennial underscore podcast or our email, x, the number two, T-H-E-X-E-N-N-I-A-L at gmail.com. Also, if you want to just Google, and, and we'll post a link to that one, but uh, Google defense mechanisms. Absolutely. Do your own research. We definitely encourage that. It's empowering to know what's going on, especially when you're triggered and you're like, hey, whoa, that sounded a little bit like something I do. Right. You know, having that immediacy mm -hmm. to jump on that because... Right there is a powerful thing. You just self-reflected, and instead of internalizing that and compartmentalizing it or doing whatever you have to do to defend yourself against that, like, aha moment. You created some awareness. Open that awareness. Investigate that awareness. Learn about yourself. That's what's going to that's gonna cause growth. Like, right there Excellent. in that aha moment, you had growth. Because you had a moment where you were like, whoa, okay, I identified that. Yeah. So. That's going to be certainly helpful. Um, thank you so much for listening. That's our time. We did it a little bit shorter today, but I think we got a lot of information crammed it in It was just like an absolute information overload. <laughs> so definitely we'll be having some more follow-up because we talked about these de defense mechanisms connecting over to anxiety and depression, which is like a major thing that we're always talking about and addressing in every podcast. Absolutely. Um, because it is something that we go through, everyone goes through. Yep. To different and varying degrees and levels. Absolutely. Cool. Thank you so much for listening to us. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you.